Today, I want to talk to you about God's heart for you as you face and fight specific battles in your life. And we're going to be looking at a specific battle in Scripture, and we're going to be looking at a specific name of God in Scripture. And so it's with that in mind that I invite you to turn over to Psalm 9, Exodus chapter 17. And if you find yourself in Exodus chapter 17, you can go ahead and make your way over to Deuteronomy chapter 25. I want to set up where we're going this morning by helping us get a little bit of a background as we walk into the sense of understanding God in fresh ways as our heavenly Father. Many of us growing up on the playground interacted with little boys and little girls and we laughed a lot, but there would inevitably be conversations and conversations would go in this direction. I think that my dad is smarter than your dad. And all of a sudden, there would be this banter back and forth. No, no, you don't know how smart my dad is. And then someone would say, well, I think my dad is faster than your dad. No, no, you've never seen my dad run. My dad is really, really fast. Or maybe someone would say, my dad is stronger than your dad. No, your dad in no way is stronger than my dad. My dad is so strong. And then there would be this quiet little boy or little girl who would say something to this effect, my dad is a Navy SEAL and my dad can beat up all of your dads. And all of a sudden it would get really, really quiet as you would watch these kids start to think about this and then they would come to this conclusion, you know, I think he or she is right. I think that if there was a fight, your dad could actually beat up my dad. I think you're correct in that. And as we grow older, here's what happens in our life. We have this view early on of our dad as if our dad is invincible. Our dad can do anything. Our dad can handle any and every stress that can come his way. He is some sort of superhero. But as we grow older and older, we realize that our dad has scars. Our dad has wounds. Our dad has insecurities. Our dad has pains just like we do. He cannot handle any and every situation that comes his way. He cannot handle any and every stress that comes his way. He in no way, shape, or form is a superhero. And here's what happens. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, when we put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, Scripture says that we enter into a new family. We are now adopted sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? We are part of a new family and we relate to God differently. We relate to God as our heavenly father. In fact, that's how we pray. Our heavenly father. Jesus said when teaching the disciples how to pray, he said, pray this way, father in heaven. And so we relate to God as this father. But unfortunately, what happens in so many of our lives is we project onto God our perceptions of our earthly father and we continue in this relationship with God. In other words, Since our earthly father was limited, therefore, our heavenly father must be limited in his capacity and power. Since our earthly father was absent much or most of our life, then therefore our heavenly father will be absent much or most of our life. Since our earthly father couldn't fulfill his promises, then therefore our heavenly father cannot fulfill his promises. But here is the truth from God's word. The truth from God's word is no matter what, our heavenly father is not in any way limited. Our heavenly father is absolutely unlimited in his capacity and power in our lives. Our heavenly father can keep all of his promises. All of his promises are yes and amen. And yes, our earthly father may have been absent most of our life, but our heavenly father is absolutely present in every single circumstance of our life. That's the truth of God's word. The glorious truth that God is our heavenly father. And it's as we get to know God as a father 
as we get to know God's character. And we see this as we understand and learn about the names of God. As you learn about the names of God, you understand more about the character of God. And as you understand the character of God, you start to understand more and more the heart of God. And today we're going to do that as we learn about facing and fighting battles in our life. Because every single person in this room faces and fights battles in our life. Some of you this morning, the battles that you're facing and fighting in your life are relationship battles. There's things going on. Other people don't know, but there's things going on. In your family's life, maybe it's in a friendship. Maybe it's in your marriage. It was difficult to even get here today because of the difficulties going on in your relationships and you're facing and fighting those battles. Maybe for some of us in this room, it's our private worlds. No one knows. But we have such a struggle going on in the unseen. We wrestle around. We're so tired. We're so exhausted. For some of us, maybe the battles that we're facing are the God-given visions in our life. God has put a vision in your life that is so unique to you. And for other people, it sounds crazy. For other people, it sounds absurd. But the reality is God has given you a calling and wants to use you in great ways. But we fight against that. What are the battles that you're facing and fighting today? Because every single person faces and fights battles. No one, absolutely no one in this room is perfect. No one is perfect. In fact, let's do this as a mass confession this morning. Can we just all say out loud together in unison, I am not perfect. Let's try that one more time. I am not perfect. Let's go even a step further. I'd like you to turn to the person on your left or your right. I want you to look them right in the eye and I want you to say, you are not perfect. Some of you are enjoying that too much, way too much. Here's the truth, Influence Church. We are imperfect people, but we cling to a God who is absolutely perfect and can meet us in our deepest moments of need. I don't know what battle you're facing today, but I do know that God wants to be your source of strength, your source of victory, your source of power, your source of courage in your life. Look at Psalm 9, verse 10. This is so good, worth memorizing and internalizing. Those who know your name or those who know your character, those who know your heart, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And the specific name of God that we're going to look at today is found in the book of Exodus and a battle that we're going to look at that's going on in this specific chapter of Exodus 17 has much to say to our lives today. And it's where we find this name of God, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. The Lord is our banner. Now, what is the significance of a banner? When we think about a banner, it's equivalent in our everyday language to a flag. In fact, we sing a song, the star spangled banner, but we know that we're referring to a flag. A flag has to do with what we stand by, what we stand for, who stands behind us. And history is full of these inspirational moments that are captured by raising of our own American flag. February 1945, the bloody battle of Iwo Jima. When an incredible photograph is taken capturing a group of soldiers who are raising a flag in battle and the story is told that the other soldiers just started clapping because they knew triumph was near. It is the most reduplicated photo in all of American history or who can forget Neil Armstrong in 1969. Became the first man to step foot on the moon and what did he do? He planted a flag He planted a flag. This is a great sense of accomplishment. This is who I stand with. This is what I stand for. Or on that day, September 11th, 2011, 
Three firefighters found a worn down, ripped up, battered, torn, ruined flag at the World Trade Center. And what did they do? They lifted that flag for all the world to see that even though it looks like we have ashes everywhere, we will be a people that will rise from those ashes. I know it looks like it's a hopeless situation, but we are people with hope. And that's exactly what is behind the significance of the Lord being our banner, that even in our hopeless situations, we have hope because the Lord is our strength. Even in difficult situations, even in situations that look like there is no hope and there is no sense of promise, we are people of promise because the Lord is our banner. And we run to him for our sense of strength, our sense of victory. It is the Lord who is our courage and our power, and the battle ultimately belongs to the Lord. Amen? To make sure that the people never forgot this, it's recorded in Scripture, this incredible, immense battle in the book of Exodus chapter 17. The people of Israel were in slavery to the Egyptians for over 400 years. God miraculously empowered Moses to set the people free, and they crossed over the Red Sea on a journey toward a promised land. But it's only a few weeks into their journey that they face an incredible, an incredible battle. They are attacked by a group of people known as the Amalekites. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now, you have to understand that the Israelites are not trained soldiers. They're not used to doing battle. They don't walk around with weapons. But this group of people did. They were trained soldiers. They were mercenaries. And we don't have much information about them in Exodus 17. But when you turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 25, we find out a little bit more of the backstory behind this specific story. This is what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out. They met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind because they had no fear of God. They are literally attacking those who are sick, those who are weak, and those who need rest. And we see that this is the first battle that the Israelites face, but it is certainly not the last battle that they face. And it's from this battle that I really do believe that we get a lot of insight into our own story and into our own life when it comes to facing and fighting battles in a God-honoring and God-glorifying way. I want to share some of those with you. I believe it's God's heart that we face and fight battles with the power of God, that we face and fight battles with the power of God. Look at Exodus 17, verse 9. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill and the staff of God will be in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. This is an extremely strange military strategy. I think you would agree. We don't know much about Joshua, but we do know a little bit about Moses. Joshua, we have no idea if he's ever been in a fight, but we know Moses has been in a fight. Remember, Moses fought an Egyptian. He killed that Egyptian, and then he left for the wilderness. We know that Moses is a fighter, but here's Joshua. And why are you sending Joshua into the battle? And where are you going, Moses? And Moses heads up to the top of the hill. He's got a staff in his hand, and we know that that symbolizes the power of God. And with hands lifted high, Moses is praying to God. Now, I know our text doesn't say that he is praying to God, 
But I truly believe that's exactly what Moses is doing because in that context, a posture of prayer is raising your hands before God. We see this in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 2, verse 8. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. This was a normal posture of prayer. What is Moses doing on this hillside? Moses is in essence calling out, we cannot fight this battle on our own. We need you to be our deliverer. We need you to be our strength. We need you to be our victory, Lord. We need you. And can I tell you what I do believe is the biggest mistake we make in facing and fighting battles in our life? I think the biggest mistake we make in facing and fighting battles in our life is facing and fighting them in our own strength. And not being a group of people who run and cling to our God. God, you created the heavens and the earth. Like, you tell the stars where to hang. You form the mountains. You tell the oceans. That'll be enough. And instead, we run and we try to do things in our own strength and in our own power. Church family, you may have watched your earthly father deal with battles on his own. But I want you to know that you have a heavenly father who says, I want to fight for you. And I want to fight with you in every single battle that you face. In his book, Too Busy Not to Pray, Bill Hybels writes, It's hard for God to release his power in your life when you put your hands in your pockets and say, I can handle this on my own. Prayerless people cut themselves off from God's prevailing power. Prayerless people cut themselves off from God's prevailing power. It's been almost a month, but I like playing basketball. I can't say that I'm that good at it, but I certainly enjoy it. We play basketball at this area not far away from where I live. And it's a group of guys, and I've gathered them together, and they are all taller than I am. And we go to this court, and we play full court. We take the whole court, and we usually shoot for teams. Well, we're shooting for teams, and everyone's around, and we're having fun. We finally get the teams together, and we turn around, and we get ready to play. And I notice on the other side of the court, while we were shooting for teams, there is this little boy. He may have been in the fourth grade. I came to later find out his name was Jordan. He might have been three feet tall. And we walked over to him and I said, hey, buddy, I hate to bother you, but we're going to play. There's another court right there. Do you mind just playing basketball on that court? He looked at me without even flinching, looking at me right in the eye. And he said, I was here first. This is my court. I'm sorry, buddy, Um, we would like to play basketball here. No, no, this is my court. What do you do, right? So we put him in a trash can, and we kick that trash can all the way down the hill. Now, how many of us, that's our posture in our life, right? Just to be honest, that's our posture. God, I got it. Thank you, but no thank you. I got myself into this. I'll get myself out of this. That's all right, God. I can do this on my own. How this must grieve the heart of a father who loves us so much and says, I want to fight with you and I want to fight for you. Please come to me and cling to me. If you were to walk into our house, little small townhome in San Diego, and you were to open up the door and make your way into our living room, which is also our dining room, you would sit at the table and you would see up at the top, there's this frame. And on the frame, it says Kennedy Family Values. And we have written down our family values, and we really do believe that values drive vision. And one of those values is that we will be 
a group of people that pray. We will be a married couple that prays together no matter what. And I got to tell you, we've had some wonderful times in our marriage, amazing times in our marriage, incredible times in our marriage. Last summer, last summer, someone asked me and see if I would be willing to go out to Tuscany, Italy to do a service for them and to officiate their wedding. I prayed for that for about two seconds and said, yes, we will be there. I think that'll work. God says, yes, let's do that. But I have to tell you, some of the greatest memories in my marriage have been sitting down on my couch, holding my wife's hands and having tears flow from our cheeks together not having all the answers and just simply coming to God and asking for his help and just praying and saying, Lord, you be God. We have a saying that we say we stole from somewhere else. We work as if everything depends on us, but we are not foolish enough to believe that. We know that everything ultimately depends on God. It does. So if you're here today and you're battling in your relationships, go get help. Don't be foolish enough not to get help. Get counseling if you need to get counseling. Ask forgiveness if you need to ask forgiveness. Buy a book if you need to gain relational IQ. But whatever you do, above all else, come and pray and ask God for help. If you're dealing with something hidden, no one knows. It's an addiction that you have and you're wrestling around with it. Get help. Join a support group. Create boundaries in your life. But above all else, come to your heavenly Father and pray. If you're here today and you're struggling with a job, Yes, network. Yes, put out your resume. Yes, fill out applications. But above all else, pray. You have a heavenly father who says, I want to meet you right where you're at. I love you. And I want to work with you. I want to fight for you. I want you to let me be your source of power, your source of strength, your source of hope. I could not encourage you enough to run to God. Don't run away from him. Run to God. Let him fight for you and with you. We face and fight battles in the power of God, and we face and fight battles with the people of God. When it comes to facing and fighting battles that God has called us to, we all get tired. Anyone in this room from some battle that you've been facing in your life, maybe this week, maybe this past year, you have grown tired and weary. Would you raise your hands for a moment? It's so exhausting to face and fight battles. It's so exhausting and we need the right people around us who will support us and love us and care for us. Exodus chapter 17, this is so good and rich. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other side, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Moses is exhausted and he has two people around him, unified and loving him and caring for him and helping him. And if you looked at this battle, you would have thought for just a moment, maybe it's all about Joshua and maybe it's all about the soldiers, but you know it's all about Moses coming before God and praying and having people around him who are unified and support him and love him and care for him. And I've got to tell you this, I really do think that we don't talk about this often enough. I think the greatest thing that the enemy does inside of a local church setting is get us so distracted that we start fighting against each other instead of fighting with each other, unified as friends on a mission for our great King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He knows if he can just get us distracted. It's interesting because Jesus prayed for us. One of the last prayers recorded in Scripture, and here's what Jesus prayed. He prayed for those who would come after, who would put their faith, hope, and trust in Him. 
He could have prayed for anything. He could have prayed that it would be easy for them. He could have prayed that they wouldn't face many difficult times. But here's what he prayed for us. Look at John chapter 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be what, church? Let's try that again. That all of them may be what, church? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent us. Jesus is praying. May the same type of relationship that exists between the Father and the Son, the same type of humility, the same type of other-centeredness, the same type of transparency and authenticity and trust, that that would exist in the body of Christ. That they would be unified. That they would be one. And when they are, the world will see and go, there is something different taking place there. And instead of bring glory to themselves, it ultimately will bring glory to God. Psalms 133 verse 1, David said this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. And the Hebrew there for good is also the word for prosperous. How good, how prosperous it is when we live together in unity. Why? Because we're not competing against each other then. We're not comparing ourselves to someone else. Instead, we are friends on a mission completing what God has asked us to be about. Amen? The heart of God for our life is that we would walk together and be supported in unity. When people think of images that capture Christianity, there's so many that can flood our hearts and minds. If I were to ask you, what images do you think of when you think of images that really capture Christianity? Some of us, it would be the manger because that symbolizes Jesus coming into this earth. Some of us, what it would be is the cross because obviously this symbolizes that Jesus paying for our sin. Some of us, it would be the resurrection because it symbolizes the victory of Jesus and all of those would be relevant and wonderful. I'll submit to you another image that also captures Christianity that is so powerful and it is the imagery of the towel. The imagery of the towel that symbolizes unity and servanthood. In John chapter 13, Jesus gathers his disciples together. You probably know the story well. They have dirty feet and proud hearts and Jesus decides to wash their feet. Something that seems so crazy at the time and he did it for a purpose. Look at verse 12 of John chapter 13. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done. If you were to walk into most people's houses, and this is probably the same for your house, you would walk in, and if you go to the bathroom or some other place, you know that there's two types of towels that exist in a house. You know where I'm going. There's this towel that exists whenever you open up the door in the bathroom. It's, it's usually there and it's beautiful. I mean, it's nice. Ours has this K on it. I mean, it is really, really nice. And everyone knows who goes into that bathroom, don't mess with that towel. It could cost you more than you can afford. And what do we do? 
Let's just do a confession here. You do what I have done so many times. You walk into that bathroom, you see that towel there, and you're going to leave the bathroom, and you look around, you make sure no one is seeing you, and you reach your hands right around the back of that towel, and you just start cleaning off your hands and straighten it on up, and you leave. And there's another type of towel. Exists in everyone's home. It's the towel. When there is a spill, you go right to that towel. You grab that towel, and you start cleaning everything up, Maybe that towel's in your trunk. Maybe that towel is somewhere else. But you know this is a towel that you use. And I would submit to you in our lives, we have to ask the question, and it is a profound question, and only you can answer it. What type of towel are you? When it comes to the overall body of Christ, are you a towel that looks really good? You look so good! But people are afraid to get too close And to use you. Are you the type of towel that says no matter what you're going through, you can count I'll be there. You can count I'll get dirty. You can count that I am there for you. You can count on me. I will serve. What type of towel are we? Man, my heart and prayer for us here at this church family And it's the same prayer for our church families that we would be full of people who say, God, use us. That we pray for unity in this place. That we pray for servanthood in this place where there are needs and we have an opportunity to meet those needs. We run to meet those needs where we need to ask and receive forgiveness. We do it all for the glory of God and we support each other on our grand kingdom mission. That that's what we would be about that we would face and fight battles in our life with the people of God, that God has put people in your life for a reason. And he wants to use them in helping you move forward in what God has called you to do. We face and fight battles with the power of God. We face and fight battles with the people of God, unified with a vision to fulfill what the great king has asked us to be a part of. And we face and fight battles with the present reminders of God's activity in our life. I love this. Look back at Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. You can highlight that or circle it and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and here's our name. He calls it. The Lord is my banner. God says to Moses, I want you to write this down. I want future generations to continue to come back to this over and over again and be a source of strength. That when they're facing their battles, they know that they face it in the power of God. That they understand that God has uniquely put people in their life for a reason. And they would gather together in unity and charge ahead toward their new kingdom assignments. That they would get this and understand this that they would look back and they would see a past reminder of God's activity as they move forward into the future. Let me ask you a question this morning. What do you carry with you? What do you have that is a past reminder of God's work in your life? What do you have that you go back to from time to time and you just slow down and you say, Lord, thank you for meeting me here. I come back and I learn so much of how you met me here, God, and it is a source of strength and reminder to me. What do you have in your life? I brought with me something that, that I have. Uh, it is the first Bible that I ever purchased as a believer. 
I didn't even know they had these things called Christian bookstores. I was in high school. I was so surprised to find that out. And this Bible has been through a lot. Um, it is torn and tattered. But I come back to this from time to time. I just read things that God put on my heart in specific moments. Sean, I'm more committed to who you are becoming than what you will be doing for me. Sean, you want to lead people close to me? Then you need to come close to me. There's all of these reminders in this Bible that I just come to and I hold on to. And it is a source of strength for me. And it reminds me of how God has met me. Now, if you came up to me and you said, Sean, I will give you $500 for this Bible. I would say, that is insulting. Absolutely insulting. No way that I would take $500 for this Bible. You came up to me and you said, Sean, I will give you $1,000 for this Bible. I would say, you are crazy. There's no way that I would take $1,000 for this Bible. If you came up to me and said, Sean, I will give you $100,000 for this Bible. I would say, meet me outside. I think I can buy another Bible. I would talk to you about that. I can buy another Bible. What do you have in your life that is a reminder of God's incredible activity? I challenge you, if you don't have anything in your life, maybe you will leave today. And right here and right now, it will be something that you will take with you that God will use in your life for all of your future days. For all of your future days. I love that as the story closes that Moses doesn't build a monument to himself. He builds an altar to God and gives God all of the credit. It's a tremendous victory and it's an incredible battle, but we know it's not the last battle and it certainly is not the greatest battle, right? The greatest battle that ever occurred was the battle over 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross to pay the ultimate price for our sin. And he took our sin to be able to give us his righteousness, to give us new life, not just for here and now, but for all, for all eternity. We may be involved in many battles this side of eternity, but we are a family where we know that the war is won and the victory is his, amen? That we have victory in Christ. That we have victory in our great Lord and Savior. I want to ask you to do something today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come this morning. So if you will, please go ahead and stand with me. I want to ask you to do something a little bit different today. To symbolize and connect with what we were just journeying through together. See, I recognize that we may have grown up with an earthly father who was certainly limited in our life, but I want to tell you and speak this into your life that your heavenly father is absolutely unlimited in his capacity and power in your life. And you may have grown up with an earthly father who did not fulfill his promises, but you have a heavenly father who fulfills every single one of his promises. They are all yes and amen. You can trust him. You may have grown up with an earthly father who was absent for most of your life. But I want to tell you today that you have a heavenly father who is present to meet you in all of your moments of need. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to take your hands. I just want you to raise them up just like this. Put them up really high this morning. I want you to keep them up for a moment. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the battles that you're facing. Maybe only you do. But I want to encourage you today that God wants to do something in your life. That he wants to give you a source of strength and a source of freedom that only he can. 
His word says this in Romans chapter 8. I love this. What shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want to pray for you today, and here's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you fight the battles in your life through the power of God. I'm praying in this church that we fight the battles that are going on in our life with the people of God unified, giving God all the glory, and we fight the battles in our life with these present reminders of God's activity with all hands raised. I'm just going to pray over you. And then as people of the King adopted sons and daughters, we will worship him who is worthy of all of our worship. Amen. Father, I pray right now for Influence Church. I pray for every person who is here right now who might be listening online, whatever the case may be. Lord, I pray for tremendous blessings in their life that they will turn their heart over to you and that whatever battles going on in their life, that ultimately they would face that battle in your power. Thank you that you want to fight for us and fight with us. I pray over this church family that we would be unified, that we would fight with the people of God, that people would look and say, what is so unique about this church? They are unified as friends on a mission for the great King. And I pray, Lord, for these reminders in our life of how you're working and how you're moving that gives us greater vision as we step forward, faithfully knowing that ultimately the battle belongs to you. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen.